0: I'm not here tonight to tell you that I had surgery three weeks ago. I'm not here to tell you that my hip has been bothering me since I've been in Indiana and I didn't sleep last night. I'm not here to tell you all the bad things, and there's a whole list of them that I could share with you, but I am here to tell you I am here in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is higher than any other name, and I'm thankful to be here among friends. You know, Pastor was talking about the more we get together and the sweeter it is. And that's so true. It's just like, you know, family getting together. I'm talking about good families. You know, the kind that really loves one another. And I I sat there just before he said that, and I kind of glanced across the congregation. And and I thought, I know there's so many more on their way here. And usually that's why I take Sunday night, the first night, because I know the good guys. You know, everybody's going to be here to hear them. I don't want... I don't want to have an empty house for these good preachers. But the the faithful ones come to hear me. (laughs) But I, I do want to say that there is something so precious about the gathering together and looking back and seeing different faces. And I've been watching some of you guys get older. That's right. Now, usually I pick on Phil Russell about that, but I'm going to pick on his brother. Ron gets older every year. Every year it shows on him. How does this show? He preaches better. He leads better. He's finally learned to listen to Debbie. Amen. I can't help but tease Debbie every time I see her because when I first started coming to to preach for Brother Ron years ago, Sister Debbie would hide in the corner. How many remember that? Two years in a row, God gave me a prophetic word to her. And that word was God was going to bring her out of her shell. And he was going to start using her in his kingdom for his glory. How many know God doesn't lie? Amen. Amen. I tell you, we can hide behind the word shy when God really wants to lift us high. And and we become uh, those who are running from what Satan is, is saying to us, and he's making fear come on us, but when you get over that, and just start being who God created you to be. You know, Mark is a good preacher, but he's no Mesohele. Amen? Amen? He will never be a Mesohele. As good as he is. You just gotta be yourself. How many of you preachers get in meetings like this, and you look around and say, now, he can now preach me. That one over there is much better preacher than I am. Oh, my goodness, that guy over there forgot more of the word than I ever knew. You know, you can get into that or you can just say, hey, it's my turn. And just be who you are for God. And God is in the house, Pastor. God is in the house tonight. And God does want to do something special in this room tonight. Amen. I believe there's healing in this room tonight. I believe there's deliverance in this room tonight. I believe that there's the glory of God that is getting ready to rise up in this room tonight. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Come on, give him a hand like you really do mean it. Amen. He is worthy to be praised by his people. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, i tell you a couple of days ago I start, uh, I started going through the scripture and doing a little reading, and came, came across some real simple thoughts. I love simple thoughts in the gospel. You know, I, I get a little sleepy when guys get up and try to impress me. I get a little tired and start thinking about being somewhere else or maybe going somewhere after church to eat. But, you know, when God gives me simple thoughts, just like heavenly honey drops that come down, and they're just simple. And he said, why didn't I ever see that before? I love it. I love it when God does that. I was, some of you have heard me preach the message uh, about servants in Luke chapter 15. It talks about the prodigal son and his elder brother. Everybody preaches on you know, the prodigal, or they preach on the father, or they preach on the elder brother, and they leave the greatest message out, and that's the servants. And when you start seeing the servants in that, you can't help but get excited because the servants are always found in that parable with the father. I'm glad I'm with the father tonight. (laughs) You know, when he saw the son afar off, he looked and saw his son coming back. It said the servants were with him. So that means they not only were with him, they saw what he saw. And when the son came back and fell down on his knees and said, Father, make me as one of your hired servants. The revelation is is we're not here to show off. We're not here to be big shots. We're not here for people to see us. We are here to see what God sees and just be with him. And serve the Lord with all of our heart. Amen. He's a good God. I don't know why He's blessing your church out in Western Kentucky, Brother Howard Jones. And I don't know why the Kentucky revival's out there breaking out the way that it is, but I know one thing. Whenever I come out there, I get my part of it. I have no idea why West Courtney's pastoring such a church down in Walker, Louisiana, when the devil's tried to flood him out and kill him. And he's still there. The only thing I can say is he's a servant of God and has the right spirit. And he's not out to be seen for himself. And there's so many others that are here tonight. I just want to encourage every one of you pastors and leaders continue to advance the kingdom of God. Continue to move forward because Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And I tell you, I believe the best is yet to come before the church leaves here. I believe we're going to get down to business and quit trying to be this or that that God's not called us to be and just have a move of that western Kentucky revival in every church in the land in the United States of America and around the world. Who would have ever thought that the Ukrainians would start taking the land back? Only those that believe Jesus is Lord. Amen. They showed on the news media today all those graves that they're discovering where they mutilated the bodies of those Ukrainian soldiers and how they killed them and just threw them in the ground. But somebody did one thing right. They put crosses above the graves. <laughs> Hallelujah. i tell you how the Ukrainians are going back against the Russians because there's many Ukrainian Christians that are filled with the Holy Ghost and fire that are praying in the Spirit and they're not moved by the lust of the the flesh And when the church in America starts praying in the Spirit and stops being moved by the lust of the flesh, we're going to see God move in such a dynamic way, it's going to boggle our minds. I don't want to go back to old Pentecost. I want fresh Pentecost. I want a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. I want God to bring healing in the house to where the preacher doesn't have to touch the sick, but the healer, the the redeemer, the great physician touches the sick heals them. Praise his name. I got to reading this little simple thing the other day and I thought, well, you know, I think I'll just share that up there the first night when all the faithful folks show up. They deserve something simple like the preacher that's here tonight. If you have your Bibles, turned to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14, while you're turning, I want to say I'm so blessed and honored to have my wife with me this week. I mean that. You just wait till some of you start getting older and you can't button your shirt by yourself. (laughs) Those three numb fingers that they operated on three weeks ago have devastated me from playing the guitar, buttoning my shirt, just little things. But my helpmate was there that God gave me. I honor her tonight. I am so thankful for her. God is so good to me. He gave me a wife I didn't deserve. He gave me a call in my spirit that I certainly did not deserve. But as I look back tonight, once again, before I preach this message, He gave me people that I truly love with all of my heart. And I don't deserve any of you as being my friends and my brothers and sisters, but I'm sure thankful you are. I mean that. We've been working together. Many of our churches and ministers have been working together to help the flood victims down there in southeast Kentucky. A lot's already been said and done. But one of the greatest blessings that I've had is when I found out that Pastor Ron had a picture a Brother Wes Courtney covered with flour where he fried chicken from early morning to late in the evening. All day, fried chicken. Now all he needs is a white beard and a little white mustache. Stop by Corbin, Kentucky and rub up against that building where he started his first restaurant. It got good when we worked together. You know, it's amazing what can be done. When one person doesn't want to take all the credit. When we all work together and just do it for the glory of God. And we've been honored as a fellowship to take a little part in that. Many other fellowships and workers and churches have been out there. We thank God for all of them. His his people are awesome. I want to talk tonight just a little bit out of this chapter. And usually I'm one of these text guys because I don't like to read a lot. Because for some reason or another my glasses are hard to keep clean. My wife will say, how do you see out of those things? They're filthy. Give me your glasses. Let me clean them. I said, well, how can I tell if it's filthy? Because I can't see. <laughs> so I usually don't read a lot of Scripture, but I want to read a few verses tonight, beginning with verse 1 in First Samuel 14. Now it came to pass upon a day. How I many these all had themselves a day? That Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines, their garrison. That is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migrin. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. Say 600. And Elihi and the son, Atha Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. He didn't tell his father. The people didn't know that Jonathan had left. Verse four. Between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bazez, and the name of the other was Shenna. The forefront of the one was situated northward over against Mishmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be. Say that with me. It may be that the Lord will work for us. <laughs> that there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or few. I like that. God doesn't have to have a lot of us. He just wants somebody to show up. And the armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over these men and we will discover ourselves unto them. Your translation may say we will reveal ourselves unto them in other words we're going to show them who we are now i'm going to explain something here in just a minute that may not mean too much to you right now but it will in just a minute if they say to us tarry until we come to you then we will still in our place in other words we're going to stand still we won't do anything and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto, in other words, uncovered and revealed themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us. Boy, did they make a mistake. Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer. They slew after him, and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, about a half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. God's cool. God is so cool. Here these guys are. They're just waiting to see what God's going to do. And I like like it when we're, we're smart enough and we have enough faith generated in our spirits that we'll try God. And can I just say right now that it may be before this service is over with that some of your lives can be changed. It may be before this week ends that there be healing in your house like never before and your children and your grandchildren come running to the altars of the living God. Can I say that it may be that those enemies, they're waiting on the ridge for you to come up. It may be that you're getting ready to go forth in the name of the same God and defeat the enemies that stand before you. Somebody say it may be. Now, here's here's what really got me when I started reading about this. I looked at those scriptures, and I'm an old soldier. I'm not just an old soldier. I'm a combat soldier. There's a difference. Combat soldiers have been in the fight, in the real war. Uh, They're not somewhere in a house eating and getting fat while somebody else is out there fighting the war. Combat soldiers are face-to-face with the enemy. And being a, a former combat soldier, a veteran of the United States Army, of this nation, a Vietnam veteran, I can stand here tonight and tell you that the most stupid game plan as far as man's ideas in war were put on that day. I've never seen or read anything else about somebody that's done something that seemingly in the minds or the natural mind of man seemingly is ignorant. But how many know that God His mind is far greater than our natural mind. And so when I look at this game plan, and I see that it's one of the worst plans in the history of mankind as far as war knowledge to man. They were going into this battle. If you're taking notes, number one, they were undermanned. They didn't have enough assistance or help from others. How many pastors do we have here and preachers? Wave at me. You ever feel like you're undermanned? You may have a big church, but you still feel like you're under man. Years ago, Sister Ely and I had the privilege of being in a little preacher down in San Antonio, Texas, in his house. And uh, we were invited in for dinner with some other preachers. His name's John Hagee, and we got to talking about how big his church was. At that time, he had 10,000 members. It's bigger now. But when we were there talking to John Hagee, one of the brothers said how many people do you have that are faithful in your church to to run such a huge congregation? He said, in my congregation, he said, we've got 300 people and we only have about 25 that does everything. And John Hagee looked at him and said, hold on to those 25. He said, because we've got 10,000 and we've only got about 25 that do everything too. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to be, uh, you know, populated like man thinks that you need to be populated. It's not how many people are standing with you. It's who is your God and is he standing with you. It may be that you found him today to be a faithful God in your situation. And you're not worried about being undermanned. You might be thinking, Pastor, well, uh, my church would grow if I had more people to assist. No, it wouldn't. Your church is only going to grow when God gets on the scene. The Lord, according to the book of Acts, adds to the church daily. Who does he add it to? Faithful preachers and leaders. Not those that sit around and moan and groan and say, we need more singers, we need more musicians, I don't have enough help, we're undermanned. I want to tell you something, quit saying that. It may be that God's waiting for you to shut up saying that that he can get in your spirit, that you're going to stand up and say, it may be that God gives us victory today over this situation. Here goes Jonathan and his armor bearer. And I see this, I can't help but get excited about it because they're going up against a garrison of the Philistine. Now, how many is a garrison? You can look in different history books, it's going to give you different numbers, but I can tell you this, the garrison that they were going up against according to the scripture, it said that they had 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, soldiers as the sand of the sea. You know, we brag about David all the time, and we should, how he killed Goliath. But when I started really seeing this for what it is, I thought, there was a greater faith That day in the heart of Jonathan than that was ever in the heart of David to face one giant. They were facing a multitude of soldiers like the sand of the sea with all those chariots. How many know those chariots were not just buggies to ride in the back of? They had swords that were built in to the to the wheels themselves that when they rushed through an army, it would cut them and kill them and d- destroy them. But they were not afraid because it may be, he said, it may be that the Lord will go with us and the Lord will give us a victory. So here he goes. Man, I'm so excited when I think about Jonathan. Here he goes. The only guy that goes with him is his armor bearer. Now how many know what an armor bearer is for? It doesn't take a lot of education to figure that out. He is there to carry his armor. He is not a trained soldier. Armor bearers were not trained soldiers. They were trained to keep all the weaponry sharpened and ready for battle and to carry them to assist the soldier whose armor they bear. Now, keeping that in mind, here here goes this guy, Jonathan. He's facing this garrison. And and they're, they're, they're going up, showing themselves. Why are they going by themselves? Why didn't Jonathan tell his father before he left? Why didn't he talk to the priest and all the other leaders? as It said there in the scriptures we read. Why didn't he do that? It was because he knew already that they were unconcerned. They were unconcerned or they would not have been like Saul sitting under the tree, an hour's journey away from where the battle should take place. Folks, I want to tell you something. You may pastor a church filled with unconcerned people that still does not give you as a leader or a pastor a right to sit around and blame what's not going to happen in victory in your church because you're sitting back. That's, that's why. It, it has nothing to do with those people that are unconcerned in your chairs and pulpits. It has everything to do that you get in your spirit standing up and say, it may be this Sunday we're going to have an outpouring of Holy Ghost. Who would have dreamed a few years ago that Mark Sarver's church, seemingly every Sunday after, I watch him a little bit when I'm on the road. He can preach a little bit and he gets up and makes an altar call, and it's filled with sinners and backsliders coming to God. Why is that happening? I want to tell you it's certainly not happening because many people are unconcerned. It's happening because the leadership in that church, they meet and believe that if we structure this church in decency and order, instead of just throwing our programs together, letting the... Oh, I'm about to preach now. Y'all better look out. Little Pentecost is rising up in me. Letting the children run all over the place because it's Joe Blow's children. He's one of the elders in the church and not bringing decency and order in the house of the church. And I could mention a lot of other areas because it's a family church. And well, the Lord will let it grow if he wants it. No, he won't either. He's not going to bless a mess. But he will take your mess and turn it into his message if you'll get up someday and say it may be. God's getting ready to set this house in order. Amen. And so they went under man. They went with uh, uh, knowing that other people were unconcerned. And they were just sitting back not ready to battle. And here they are facing the enemy. Saul was about an hour away sitting, as I said, under the tree with 600 soldiers with him. And instead of standing on the promises, Saul was sitting in the premises. And we have a lot of leaders that way in our churches today. They're not really standing on the promises of God, though they preach them and hope the people will stand on the promises. But I blame the men and the women in the pulpit that are just sitting in the premises waiting to get your check and not standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. I blame those people who don't really get in and study to show themselves approved unto God. Workmen that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? That the man or the woman of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What's that a picture of? It's a fulfillment of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. When the furniture was set in order, the glory would rise up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pastors, leaders, set order in the house of God and the glory will rise up. And when it does, people will become concerned. Look at somebody next to you and say, he's just getting started. He's got a lot more points to just relax. They were going into battle not just under man, not just surrounded by people who were unconcerned, but they were going into battle unnoticed. When I was a young preacher, I had a white suit. Did I have a white suit? I dressed flamboyant. I had every color you could think of, man. Plum. One time I wore patch boots. How many knows what those are? Multicolor boots. I was cool. See, I thought I was called to impress instead of influence. I stand up here today hoping my belt keeps my pants up. (laughs) <laughs> you open that too? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. When you're young, you think you got to be noticed. And when you get my age, you hope they don't notice. You're just glad to be part of what's going on. See, I know. I'm, I don't doubt it one bit. I'm not finished in the ministry. But I'm getting close if Jesus doesn't return. And I'm not so silly that I'm not making preparation for somebody to step into my place. And I'm not so silly that I'm going to do like some people, just leave it high and dry so when I'm gone, they'll miss me. No, they won't. They'll forget about you. Your legacy's gone when you are. But when you set it up for somebody else to come in, don't just set it up for somebody as good as you are. Set it up for somebody that's better than you are. (laughs) Who can come in and take that thing, not just where you brought it to, but take it to a higher ground. Somebody that you're not afraid for them to come in because they can preach circles around you. But somebody that's more anointing, got a deeper word, uh, and they're moving forward and the devil hates their guts. Get people like that to come in because those kind of people are honoring people. They honor God's word therefore they honor those that have gone on before them. Can I just make some honor in this house? Um, I tell you dad Russell he did a work in this area man he brought up not only some people out of sin into the kingdom of God he raised up a family full of preachers and teachers and women of God. I'm telling you it wasn't because just Ron got up one day that this church is here but he came. came in behind his dad and others that were surrounding him and he didn't get up and try to tear them down and destroy them but Ron has honored his father he's honored the rest of his family he honors men and women of God in this city he wants to work with them why? because he's wise enough in the spirit to know it's not about him being noticed it's about him following God and I thank God for people like that And I believe Barnabas Ministries International will grow to a place with greater leadership than I've ever given it. And I believe that it will be a leadership that will take the the preachers and the teachers into areas in the kingdom that they never dreamed that God even had exist. I believe what's coming is going to be greater than what happened during the turn of the 18th and 19th century. I believe it's going to be more than a pouring out of the Spirit. I believe that God's going to begin to bring fire down in the house. One of my teachers in Bible college years ago in Detroit, he was preaching in church one night about the fire of God and all of a sudden firemen come running into to the house. This is a true story. This is documented in the assemblies of God. And here they were, downtown Dearborn. At that time was the wealthy area. The Assembly of God church. They come running in their sirens, bringing holes into the house. They were getting ladders off the trucks. When they came in, they said, get out, get out. The pastor said, what for? He said, the church is on fire. Well, the pastor was just preaching. God's getting ready to bring the fire down. And when he does, it's going to draw people to this house. They inspected that church. They climbed all over that church and they could not find one flame. But the whole neighborhood saw fire all over that church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying that we're not talking about a, a pretend God. We're not talking about a God that just blessed David or Jonathan in the Old Testament. We're talking about a God that still blesses his people who will get up someday and say, it may be, today's the day the fire's gonna come down. Hallelujah. Going into the battle, I notice his father didn't know he was gone. The people didn't know he was gone. He didn't have any cheerleaders. He didn't have any encouragement through emails. He had no gift baskets waiting on him. But they were completely alone and unnoticed. They were going facing death on an unlevel field of battle. Now that's, that's what I want to stop a minute and explain to you. If you want to win a battle, there are two things that you must do you must get to a higher position than your enemy. It is much easier to fight somebody that's trying to climb up to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And you also have to understand that you don't just get on higher ground, but you face the enemy on a level field. Do you hear what I'm saying? At my age, it's hard just to go up the hill. There's no way I could be fighting the Philistines. But I tell you this, it may be that if the Holy Ghost got hold of me and one of y'all would hand me a sword, I might trip enough around there to stab a few of them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't wait for somebody to put your name on the news and say, brother so-and-so, Not Reverend, that's why they like to use that word. Reverend so and so down at such and such church here in town is getting ready to build a new fellowship hall. You know, they do that kind of thing every now and then on the news. You know, what they're really doing is making fun of the church. That's not the kind of news that people need to hear about the church. They need to hear the fire department was called. (laughs) They ran through that church looking everywhere but they found out the only fire that was in there was the same fire that came down in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Can I tell you, Brother Fortunato, that pastored that church that I'm telling you about, he said they had the greatest soul winning revival they'd ever had in the history of that Assembly of God church after that happened. And all it took was people to see fire that was not really there. Think about it. Fire that was not really there. People come out because they heard about it. During the Brownsville revival, uh, and most of you have been down there probably at least once, if you got any age on you at all, I I had the liberty to preach there twice during the revival. And the thing that I noticed about that revival wasn't that they were having a greater move of God than we were in my church in Kentucky, where I pastored at the time. But what it was is the people came with great expectation. They came with a heart of it may be my night. This may be my night. And they would stand in line talking about what may happen when they got in the house. They had great expectancy. I want to tell you something. I didn't have that when I came to your Western Kentucky revival. I came out there as a spy. I came to check you out. I wanted to know if we should be part of that promised land. And when I got there, the giants were no longer there because you already had them slayed. And when I got there, there was such a real move of the Spirit in the opening song of the worship that I looked at the pastor that I brought with me, and I said, this is revival. And as the service went on, I just felt so sorry for others who had not been there because it was a real revival. I'm not saying we have to chase revivals like Brownsville or like Western Kentucky, but it'll do something to your spirit if you get around it a little bit. How do you know that, Brother Ely? Because I read in here to where when he went up and raised himself up and exposed himself to the enemy. I'll tell you, you've got to be a bold dude to stand up like that and face a garrison of people by yourself. And ain't nobody with you but a guy holding your soul, sword and shield and, and a spear in a bag. I tell you, and when he did that and he went for it, according to the Scripture, what he did and God did through him that day, got on that armor bear and he, he grabbed a sword and started killing them too it's about time that our pastors feel like they're the only warrior in the church it's about time that our leaders stop feeling that without them it ain't going to happen. Because when God really does move through people with faith I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Other people will see you slewing the enemy in the name of the Lord and it may be that they'll grab a sword and get right by your side and start killing them too. I'm telling you I believe there's something coming where no man or no woman individually is going to get any glory to themselves but all the glory that's given in the church and the days to come when God pours it out is going to be given to God because he's the Lord of glory and the gates of glory are getting ready to open up for those who will open themselves up to not be one who has to be noticed oh God forgive us trying to wear white suits and plum suits and impress one another I was looking in my closet before I packed clothes to come up here, and I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me because I'm blessed more than I deserve. But I looked in there, here's a whole closet full of suits. And I guess the last one I bought was about seven years ago. Most of them are, you know, 20, 25 years old. I find if you keep suits and ties long enough, they'll come back in style. So be good to them when you wear them, clean them, take care of them. Do you hear what I'm saying? And and I looked in that closet and I saw all of those suits and I thought, as soon as I get enough suits to go around for the ministry and not have to be afraid that I have enough suits to go preach a week's revival, as soon as I do that, all these cats start wearing blue jeans and cowboy boots. And I'm thinking to myself, the biggest reason I had to you know you got to be honest with yourself. Why is it that I don't like that? Well, my number one thing was I feel like you got to give your best to God. But you see, sometimes cowboy boots cost more than my dress shoes. I saw some cowboy boots the other day were $4500. $4500 cowboy boots. I'd be afraid to put those on where Somebody steal my feet. (laughs) Do you hear what I'm saying? I'd be afraid. But what I've learned is this. Give your best to God, whatever it is. Right now, mine's a bunch of old suits. If yours is new jeans and cowboy boots, go for it. But don't say I'm out of style just because I don't have that. I mean, I still got old suits, and I'm looking good for an old man. <laughs> of course, I can't see that good now. So, look at somebody next to you. and Say he only has a couple of more points. You can relax. Don't face the enemy on unlevel ground. Unlevel ground is very dangerous. You trip too easily. Face the enemy on level ground. Where is the level ground that we should face the enemy? It's at the foot of the cross. When we get to the foot of the cross, every enemy in the world and from hell itself can show up. And they're not going to win. Because the victory's already been won for us. All we've got to do is honor the Lord at the foot of the cross. Now here, in bringing this thing down, i got to say this. I need some armor bearers in the kingdom around some preachers that are so excited that those armor bearers become more than just armor bearers. I've heard people say, well, the Lord called me to be an armor bearer. That's good. When are you going to become a warrior? Because a, a good armor bearer can only hang around a real warrior for a while but until he said, give me one of those swords like this armor bearer. You know, we went through a phase to where books were on armor bears, and armor bears are good. And then it got so some preachers thought if they were going to be successful, they had to have some younger guy carry their briefcase. I mean, it got sickening. All through the Scripture, we're taught balance. Balance is in spiritual warfare in the church. What do you mean, Brother Ely? There's something that you have to do, but do it on level ground where God is there with you. And God will balance your situation in the midst of the battle. And everybody said... Amen. Now going back to those two sharp rocks, and I want to mention this real quick. They had to go between two sharp rocks. How many remember reading about those? You know, I, I I did years ago I preached on those and what they meant, but I did more of an in-depth study and got back to the root words of these things, and I found out that bozaz actually means rock. Boy, that's profound. And the other one. Shania, he, he says, it says it means a hard, thorny place. Here's where they were going before they even faced the enemy. They went through a rock and a hard place. How many rocks and hard places have you been through in your ministry, guys? Come on. How many rocks and hard places, come on, leaders, have you been through? but it seems like every time in my life God let me go through a rock and a hard place when I got on the other side of it there was more there than a rock and a hard place there was enemies everywhere and all of a sudden I'm thinking God I just went through a rock and a hard place this is time for me to be blessed this is time for me to have R&R a little rest and recuperation come on God what's going on and God said no I put you through that rock and hard place to make you ready to face a garrison of the enemy, that they be brought down, because it may be I won't bless you today. <laughs> All right, I can tell you, you're getting tired now. Preachers can only preach as long as the seat can endure. Amen. So Jonathan ruins his element of surprise. He reveals himself to the enemy, and I think it's time that we do that. I was preaching in a meeting one time and I got up and told this group of preachers, I said, what we need to do is to tell the devil he needs to fear us. He needs to be afraid of us. He doesn't have power over us. You wouldn't believe how many preachers I had come up to me afterwards said, you better be careful what you say. I said, what? You better be careful what you say. Devil's powerful. I said, I read a book one time that said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. (laughs) I read a book one time, said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I read a book one time that said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God so I'm just going to say the word of God if nobody else is saying it I'm going to say it out of my own mouth so my ear can hear it back and get it back in me again and stir it afresh in me and I'm going to say things like I know a God that will say to me if you'll just get up and reveal yourself to the enemy and not be afraid to face him even though you've lost the element of surprise even though you're unnoticed nobody knows what a Ely is that's kind Kinda sounds like a new chicken in the barn. I'm here to tell you, I'm not out to get my name glorified, but I am out to get somebody's name glorified. His name is called Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior, the Healer, the Redeemer, the Alpha, the Omega, the everything in between. There is no God like my God. Go ahead and give Him a praise. He's worthy to be praised. Woo. And in closing, we may be outnumbered. We may be surrounded by unconcerned people. We may be having a ministry that's unnoticed. We may be playing on a field that's not a level field. We may face an enemy that looks far greater than we are. But it may be that the Lord will work for us. Would you stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. devil told me, said, you ain't going to be able to preach tonight. You hurt too bad. You don't feel good. And, you know, I stumbled up the steps and come over here, and I realized I'm not the preacher anyhow. The Holy Ghost is the preacher. I can't even remember stuff, but he brings it back to my remembrance. His anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. And you know what? We have been so disappointed in some that have gone before us, TV evangelists, prophets that have missed God, different preachers, teachers. And we can get to the place if we're not careful that we are afraid to obey the Spirit. But I am not afraid to obey the Spirit right now because there's a fresh faith stirring in my heart. I want to tell you, preachers, if you just get real, if you're one of those that said, I've done everything I know to do in the church, still not growing, it may be that if you just obey the Lord and step out by faith and come up here right now, that when you go home, you may be surprised what God does. Brother Jones, you didn't expect to happen, that to happen out there, did you? I'm guessing, though you've not told me, that before revival broke out the way that it has in your church in that area, I'm guessing that you went through a rock and a hard place before it happened. I'm guessing that after it happened, people started judging you. But tell me if I'm not right. Are not the preachers and the churches coming together in this revival? Are not they all working together? Did God not put in your spirit to write a book? And what was that book titled? Unity Unleashed. Unity Unleashed. If you've not read the book, get with him. Tell him. He needs to send you one. If you can't afford it, tell him to put it on my tab. I'll pay for it. Is that all right? There's power and unity when it's unleashed, and we start getting together. I want every preacher in the house to come up here and stand across the front here. I'm not going to keep you, but a few more minutes here. But I believe it would be sad if we left after God has challenged us to face the enemy and not do something about it. It's pretty good. Come on up. Come on up. Stand up front. Come on. It's pretty good for the first night in a district meeting. We're going to see more come in tomorrow, believe me. God wants to do something special in your life tonight. Tonight it may be something that boggles not only your mind but mine too I don't know what God's going to do but I've obeyed the Lord come up here pastor I've obeyed the Lord and I've done what he told me to do and I want to start with pastor here tonight and say it may be tonight's your night you're trying to set it in order you're trying to do it right you're trying to lead them to a higher ground. You're trying to give them a heart to have an outreach, to not be selfish in this church, but to reach out to others through missions, world missions, local missions. You're trying that. But it may be that even though all of that has not yet brought a great influx like your heart wants, it may be though that God's getting ready because you were willing to uncover yourself and step out by faith it may be that God's getting ready to bring the harvest in. How many believe that? Put your hand toward this pastor right now in the name of Jesus, the name that has power and authority over all things and all beings. In the name of Jesus, we pray for our brother in this church who has just so beautifully opened up their doors to us to come in here and have liberty and freedom in the Holy Ghost and the Word of God who have been Those who have fed us and worked hard, prepared with hospitality for us to be here. Now, Lord, we pray that right now, Lord, that it may be at the night that you begin to speak to people not only in this city, but the surrounding area, drawing them by the power of your presence into this house. That growth come to the place that they can do even more. But even above that, that people be saved from the gates of hell. That the gates of hell shall not prevail over the lost in this area, but they come back in through this house, God, and this ministry. Let this ministry be blessed abundantly. And every preacher said, amen, amen, amen. I want every one of you preachers to turn around, get together in two or three. I want you to begin to pray for one another, your churches, and and, and your situations that you're going through. Hallelujah. Would, Would you pray for Brother Art over here? Would you guys turn around and pray for Brother Art? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.